We are back. Your favorite podcast show of the week. It's Location Weekly. It's episode number 583. We are recording on August the 23rd. And as you can see, um, is not here. She's away on a well-deserved vacation in the British Virgin Islands with her husband and uh, some friends. And uh, we are blessed instead to have Rob Woodbridge with us, the uh, original co-founder of this podcast with me, uh, returning for uh, a guest appearance in his Montreal Expos uh, shirt. And uh, Rob, how are you? Welcome back. Uh, Steve, it is great to be back. Um, I am not, I just want to be very clear is that I am not a suitable replacement for Aubriana at all. Um, and I think uh, I'm actually upset that, that you guys aren't doing this from the British Virgin Islands on a boat somewhere doing a podcast uh, together in the sunshine. But uh, right, it is great right. to be back. It is great to be back. I'm trying to think like, when was that? It's been at least a billion episodes since I was here, at least. Because you've done a yeah, billion well, and one. We did one with the three of us, right? A little yeah. while back. It was before 500 though. Like you, you're you yeah. like 500, 583. Yeah. 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 Super impressive. And and I mean I know what it's like to do a, a podcast, and I and I know the commitment that it takes to get a podcast out every week. And uh, for those listening, to do this 583 times is is a ridiculous, but b incredible at the same time. Nuts. The commitment is there. For sure, for sure. It's it's a it's it's a it's a passion though, right? Like we love doing it and. Uh, <laughs> And honestly, like the discipline, you know, of preparing for this and finding the stories and all of that is what, you know, sort of keeps me abreast of what's going on in, in the space, right? So, you know, I, uh, you know, I actually like doing that legwork and kind of figuring it out each week and then uh, it helps keep me on top of things. So, yeah. So with well, that, we've got, yeah, we've got four stories as, as usual that we're going to cover off here. And since uh, Rob is uh, filling in for Aubriana, he's going to kick it off with the first story this week, uh, which is a, a Canadian one. So ah, I love it. Start with Canada. Start with the West Coast of Canada in B.C. Uh, so this is a, an initiative done by B.C. Transit, and they're uh, launching something called Next Ride for real-time transit information uh, for their local transportation. And uh, it's an initiative to uh, really to start implementing um, automatic vehicle location technology on their buses. And I always think, like I see, I always think about these things as saying like, haven't we done this already? Like, isn't there a black box in every bus already? And, 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 and haven't we started to leverage all of this data so that it makes riders, you know, it allows riders to know when buses are coming and uh, when they should get to the bus stop and how many bus, how many passengers on it. And the answer is oftentimes like you just assume that these things are happening everywhere, but here we are implementing this in BC. So what, what's happened so far, nine regions in BC have implemented this. So they've installed these tracking devices on, on their buses and there are 11 more to go for the rest of the summer. It does exactly as you would expect it to do, which is to, it allows uh, passengers uh, to log in through a web-based app and they'll be able to find uh, on their smart devices, obviously, they'll be able to find where, how far, where their buses are, what buses are on their route, when they're supposed to arrive, how many people are on the bus at the same time, which is very interesting uh, to understand whether, especially in this COVID world or the world that we're emerging into. Um, 
It also allows you to plan your day a little bit better for better scheduling. It sends out notifications around delays if something is wrong. Up here in Canada, it is always about the snow in the winter. If these articulating buses, in at least in Ottawa, that every time there is a snowstorm in Ottawa, we have we have you can drive by dozens of articulated buses that are stuck in snow. We haven't really perfected that. Maybe there's an opportunity. Um, but it will also allow for in-bus uh, experience, in-transit experience, where it, it automatically shows uh, there's an LED board in these buses that show the next stop. And then there is actually, an, uh, these, these next stops are audibly announced uh, uh, through, through this service. Um, and it is a, uh, I think the biggest and greatest thing about this is that they're open sourcing all of this data and enabling or allowing other application developers to start to create apps around the, the data that they're pulling from the buses and uh, and scheduling. So this yay Canada, yay BC. Um, and, uh, and I think that this is going to be great once it's in every region in BC so that uh, it's consistency across the board. But I, uh, I just assumed, man, that all of this stuff was done. Did, like, am I wrong there? Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, a fair assumption, right? And, uh, you know, I'm here in Toronto and, uh, you know, living uh, downtown-ish now or on the edges of downtown Toronto. So I'm finding myself using more and more public transit, taking streetcars to go to Jay's games or, you know, things like that. Um, and, um, you know, uh, and we have this here in Toronto and, you know, I've, I've been using this, like I literally get on and I like jump on Google maps or I jump on these things and it says, you know, next train will be at that stop in three minutes or whatever. And it's yeah. super helpful. Like, you know, that's, that's what you need. Do I have time to go run to the coffee shop across the street or not? Um, you know, it, it's, um, I, absolutely. This is, this is valuable stuff. And I think as you point out, like in, in a COVID time where, a lot of these uh, operations are dealing with um, delays or labor shortage issues or yeah. whatever. Like there's, it's just creating a lot of backlog and a lot of delays or you know less buses, less trains running, you know, on these systems. So you know it may not be the same schedules you were used to pre pre COVID, right? Like certainly that's that's yep. the case here in Toronto where where we are. Like you know we used to have Express Go trains running from my local station to the downtown union station, you know, that would you know run every 20, 30 minutes, um, you know, no stops. And uh, we don't have that anymore. So they're few and far between now. And um, yeah, so, so I think having this, and, and I like that, you know, they've got the open source uh, around the data enabling others to kind of build on top of this. You know, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, could, could we use this at ground level? Like, could we pull data from what's going on there to kind of inform, you know, movement, maybe, you know, I need to think about For sure. You could. Um, so that could be, uh, that could be super interesting to think about what we could pull. Do you remember back in the day, like in Ottawa with OC Transpo, um, and maybe it was like this in Toronto and probably across the country and in the States as well, is that you would go to a bus stop and they would have the bus stop itself cemented into the ground with a little flag on the top. And then there was this little information display where you would look it up and you'd say like, I'm looking for the you know bus number seven. And then it would tell you kind of, every when when the schedule was it would be printed out and put in there and so you would assume that that was that was accurate and 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 that's how uh it's it used to operate and then they moved into a phone number so you you call a phone number city number and there would be a four digit uh code for that bus stop and then you could listen to i mean i, I don't know how you would do it back before cell phones but they had it and then you remember what your phone your your four digit number was uh on your bus stop and then from your home rotary line you'd call 
and then you punch in or you dial in your four digit uh, bus stop number and then it would tell you when the bus is it. it's like oh it's yeah. like a minute away and i missed it like so i think that we've come quite a long way in this from where we were uh, but it just seems like it's taken it's taken a long time when are where are my damn flying yeah. cars that's what i'm asking where are my damn flying cars <laughs> yeah uh, I had a, I, I had a similar analog or sort of uh, experience recently. So I still play softball every summer, and um, so the, one of the leagues I played in this summer, um, there's like a line that like a number that you call to find out if you know the games have been rained out or not. <laughs> and literally, you call and there's like you you have to keep checking, like dialing into this thing to see if there's any updates. <laughs> Um, you know, like a, a voice message that's been left there to say, yes, you know, the games have been wiped out for, for tonight or whatever. Like it's, it's, yeah. Like you think there'd be a more digital way to do that, but like uh, Twitter, like Twitter, yeah, like Twitter. yes. Um, <laughs> like they've invented it. Yeah. <laughs> no. Anyhow. All right. On to our, uh, our second story. So, uh, moving over to uh, the U S specifically Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, there's a startup there uh, called PayTile. Uh, that's one word, PayTile. And they've launched a, a mobile app that uses geolocation and proximity technology to deliver cashless payments and rewards to users. And uh, what's interesting about this, it's obviously there's a lot of you know peer-to-peer -peer payments you know solutions out there, and you've got you know WeChat Pay and Alipay and all these kinds of different you know uh, things out there that you can you know send money with. But uh, what's kind of unique about this um, and, uh, and a little bit different about how it works is that um, it's, uh, it enables you to make these payments privately, uh, securely, and, and to people nearby you from a geolocation point of view. So you don't actually have to have you know, any sort of relationship per se between you know, your phone and you know, the intended person's phone in a predefined way, um, you know, without sending any personal details or, or information like that. So basically, and I love the analogy, they, they describe this as PayTile is like airdrop for cash. Um, and so basically, you know, you can tip your, you know, valet or your, you know, cab driver or, you know, somebody at the farmer's market or, or whoever, you know, wherever you're at, you know, and limit the payments to people, you know, or businesses that are nearby you. Um, and so I think this is super interesting. Um, you know, obviously it, it's, you know, it's not earth shattering in terms of technology, but, it, but I think from a use case point of view, it's really cool, um, you know, to see that, you know, they're using location technology in that way and, and enabling people to kind of transfer, uh, you know, cash, you know, from a device to, you know, a, another device nearby. Um, so I kind of like it. It's, um, yeah, I, I, it's a game changer in some ways. What are your thoughts? I like. I think that the like the 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 biggest pain with any transaction are those transaction fees. Like if you can eliminate those transaction fees, like that is that is golden. Uh, um, and and it, if there's a way to uh, leverage this on a business scale, I mean, remember the app bump? Do you remember way back in the day yeah, there was of like, course, like it was well before there was proximity based any chips anything in a in a phone and and uh, i remember interviewing those guys dave and and talking about uh, about what the potential was for this technology and i'm trying to think like it was probably 10 11 12 years ago before it was acquired by google um, and uh, and it's and it's good to see this 
final, these kind of practical applications coming through, leveraging that, that uh, data use Bluetooth and motion um, and to, to simulate uh, right. the bump. And you didn't really have to smash each other's phone to transfer contact information. Um, but it's yeah. it, like, I, I believe that this is, this is, this makes it so much easier. We're doing construction on our house. We're doing renovation. And, and I mean, I have to go to a bank to get a check or send them an e-transfer. And, and this would probably be a lot easier if I could just, if I could just use this kind of technology to pay them. Um, it would deplete my bank account much faster, I suppose. Um, but it's all going out anyways. Uh, like I, I, I definitely love love this kind of stuff, and especially in the delivery space that we're in. Like this is really this would be very useful. Um, uh, you know, we've moved away from bank cards and credit cards, and they're there. The underpinnings are there, but I, I mean, I, I tap with my watch, and that's all I pay now, and that's how I pay everything. And, right. and I just believe that there's a, there's a spot for this kind of technology everywhere. Um, now, I, I do have one question. Potential integration conversation. Oh yeah, for sure. But it's always about winners and losers, right? So like, you know, that the impact of this is how many people use this. It's that network effect. So how many other services are out there doing this? And then how do you, because you can't have a little niche spot. You can't own a little neighborhood because then it's too cumbersome to be carrying multiple apps to do this. And, and, and you have to be able to find one that is universal and it can be universal in the city or there's a certain tipping point that it arrives at. And I, and, that's always the challenge. The tech is easy, and I mean that facetiously. It's not often easy, but the hardest part is adoption and the network effect uh, to be able to get it to be used seamlessly. I, mean, I remember when Interact rolled out, debit cards rolled out, and, and it, it took a long time for that to hit everywhere. Um, and, uh, and you think that it's been here for a lifetime, but, uh, but that's what these services need to be able to do is just get out and be used. Yeah, I'm going to pull this one down. It's available uh, in Apple and Google um, yeah. uh, stores right now and uh, currently rolling it, roll it out in Cincinnati uh, where they're based. But uh, I could see this, you know, sort of growing quickly. And, you know, maybe I'll, I'm going to reach out to these guys too uh, and see if we can get them down to retail local. I think this could be an interesting story to, to highlight down there. Definitely. And like, if you can enable commerce everywhere, uh, and you see that companies like Shopify are doing that companies like our next store, like Facebook is doing this is, is that if you can enable commerce absolutely everywhere on in every plane and in every moment. So whether it's a exactly. booth at retail local or walking down the street, I think that that's, that's what you, you, you know, it shouldn't be a pain in the butt to sell something or get paid for something. And, and really that's where we are right now. You need, it's cumbersome and this eliminates that. Get them down there, Alok. There you go. Well, spe speaking uh, about paying for something, you've got another story to share with us. Yeah, and this is this is that story that's a take app, um, and uh, this is a this is a Singaporean-based company or startup that uh, that was noticed simply because of the founder it is an ex-Meta uh, employee um, and left to start something that obviously he has a passion for, and he started this company uh, called Take App. And it was really to level the playing field in Singapore for these restaurants uh, to, to actually help these restaurants leverage what they're doing on WhatsApp for ordering. So that whole concept of, of ordering from everywhere and creating a funnel uh, into something that these, these companies or these merchants or these restaurants already are using, and that's WhatsApp for customer service. So they call themselves a WhatsApp order form. And uh, it, it takes you back to the early web days where, where it, it, it literally is a website creation tool 
for companies like restaurants or bakeries or grocery stores. And you go in there and you, or you, you order, um, you create the website and then you, know, you enable your customers to order from it. And then what, what's, what's unique about it, and there's a couple of other companies that are doing this, um, is it, it takes that order and it just simply shoves it into WhatsApp, into a, a channel in WhatsApp that enables your, um, your support team or your, your sales team to follow up and actually bring that, uh, that order in. Um, and, and that's what it does. So um, Meta has invested in this company a small amount. It's a seed round of a million bucks. They just finished going through Y Combinator. And so the combination of, of Meta and uh, YC and some angels uh, has allowed them to raise uh, just over a million bucks. And um, they're really making that, 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 that ordering process part of an existing process of how they currently support their customers. Uh, one of the key things that is is they've highlighted is that they do not handle any of the payment side of it, nor do they handle any of the delivery side of it. They're just taking an order and bringing it into WhatsApp, and then it's up to you to do the rest as a as a company. Uh, but I walked through a bunch of their videos and, this morning, and it was uh, and it seems very easy to use. It's in the familiar style that you've already known in you in all of the food ordering apps or the grocery ordering apps that you have. Um, there's a little bit of a setup process, but it seems pretty easy to do it. And the big thing is that uh, I'd say 90% of the features are free. You don't have to pay for this. This was in order, this was set up to support existing uh, restaurants during this time of crisis. Uh, and, uh, and then he realized very quickly that there is, there may be a business here uh, because of how simple it is to use. And, uh, and then he launched a business for it. But as I said, 90% of it is free. You can use it as long as you don't need deep dive analytics or there's a bunch of other things that you can't do. It's, it's just free, so you can test it. Um, but I, this, is a, this, is, this is, I think, obviously, this is uh, very important for, for companies who are building products to not try to create a new behavior in your customer, but to figure out how you can take what they need, which in this instance is adding ordering capabilities online, and putting it into their existing process. And that's what these guys did. So it's take app from, uh, from Singapore. It's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I, I think this is super interesting. I've actually used this uh, in a fast food restaurant uh, about a year ago. Um, I, I think it was this technology anyways, um, because it was all WhatsApp enabled. So I remember like going in like very simple menu, um, you know, it was in, in, in this particular case, you know, my, my experience, it was, you know, there was a QR code on the table um, and you just scan this QR code and it immediately took you into sort of a, you know, a very simple order experience, um, all powered by what, you know, cool. what's on the back end um, and, um, you know, facilitated the payments, you know, through, through, uh, through that channel and everything else. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this is, you know, exactly, you know, what a lot of these, especially these chains, um, you know, need. Um, and I love that it's, it's come out of this sort of place of goodness and, you know, helping people uh, and helping these, these businesses out in tough times. Uh, and now they're able to kind of grow it and, and scale it from here and, and, you know, getting the investment they need to, to sustain that. I mean, not unlike what we did with Canatrace with all the restaurants, you know, and, and trying to, you know, solve a, a problem for them and just help out in tough times. So, you know, maybe there's, you know, there's some overlap discussion to be had there with, you know, all of the, the restaurants that we're working with here in, in, uh, in Canada and, and, you know, bringing, you know, exposing something like this to them. But um, I think, um, 
you know, we're, we're going to see more and more of this. And I think it is about, you know, sort of just making that whole user experience simple and easy for the consumer. Um, and at the end of the day, it's, it, it's just facilitating that order, right? You know, yeah. the fact that they're not doing the payment, they're not doing the delivery, they're not doing all that, you know, those other components of it, which there are companies that are better at it, you know, like yours and, and others, Rob, you know, that can handle some of those components. Um, it, you know, focus on the simple and, and, and deliver and do that well, um, I think makes a ton of sense. So I'd love to see this thing grow uh, outside of Southeast Asia into, you know, all sorts of markets. It's, it's an interesting investment from, from Meta's standpoint, um, but you can understand why along the same lines is where you see a company like Slack going is that, uh, you know, Slack has become not just a piece of software, it's become a, a platform, yeah. you, you know, an endpoint for everybody else's software. And, uh, and that's really how you, and we know this, that, I mean, that's how you become part of the fabric. And, um, and that's what's happening, obviously, with, with WhatsApp. And, and it, became, it started off as a simple chat tool, as we all know, a secure chat tool. Um, but just like every other app in Asia, and not so much in North America, but I think Uber is on the path to that, is that they've created the one app. You know, that's what is happening everywhere outside of North America is the one app where you can do all your banking, all your grocery ordering, all your, you know, your transportation requirements, all everything all from one app. And, uh, and certainly WhatsApp is, it could be poised to be that if they build more and more and more on top of it, the way that Slack is doing it in North America. Um, I, I, I do have a question, just, you know, we're way over here, but I'm just interested like it, we're, we're not seeing many of those one apps in North America, you know, like the, the app that does everything like we see in, in Asian countries, Southeast Asia, in China in particular, is that these, these apps are, they do everything for you and, and they dominate. And is it just that we're fickle here? Because I see WhatsApp as a potential to be able to do that if they do things properly. The, the real question is why isn't anybody and maybe it's Uber because of what they're doing with Eats and the transportation side. Um, but I'm, I'm in the partnerships that they're setting up, but I'm always intrigued by why isn't any company doing that in, in, uh, in Canada and North America. Are you thinking there? What is that? <laughs> that was weird. Just a video just randomly started playing on my computer. That's um, good. It was, it was a, a, chir a chirpy video. Yes. But it's, like, it's a good question. Like I, I, I'm always interested because, because maybe that's what they're trying to do with this platform eventually. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a good question. And, and I think we're starting to see some of those inroads happening here in North America. Like, you know, you mentioned Uber, you know, um, uh, I, I think to some extent TikTok and some of these others are starting now to add a lot more commerce options. We've covered on the yep. podcast in the last number of weeks. Uh, a lot of these companies now are, are adding, you know, like through those social media platforms, you can, you know, book and, and pay for your concert tickets or your sports tickets or your, you know, whatever, um, you know, through these same platforms. So like it, yeah. it, they're starting to kind of become more of a, an ecosystem play, um, but nothing like what, you know, you have in Asia, you know, and, and the maturity of that, right. With, with, uh, with the Ali, uh, Ali pays and the WeChats and, yeah. the, you know, so it's, um... I mean, I, I met with the next Lyft colleague yesterday and what she said was, um, I said, like, what are you going to do now? And she said, uh, I'm going to go and spend three or four months uh, in Asia and China. And I said, like, why China? She, just simply because uh, if she can get in, simply because the, uh, the amount of innovation is staggering and there's such a gap. 
between what's going on there and what's going on here that it's looking for inspirational ideas and and so deep into this conversation uh, along those lines is that what what is taken for granted in in china for example is something that is so innovative here um and we are we are what probably a year two months away as a result of uh, between the two countries when you look at the innovation and the adoption of that innovation um but anyway totally yeah, derailed this get, conversation get, as i, I agree i agree rob but like we we, we there, there's there's caps to that right like you know yesterday i was hearing about china's about to go and seed the clouds so that they can get rain to deal with the drought that's right like, <laughs> no no that's that's just that's a step too far it's it's perfectly safe though. What could go wrong? What could go wrong, man? Like what could go wrong? Oh, anyways, yeah. Um, Carry on. All right. Our, our final story is about a company called Immersia. It's spelled uh, I M M E R T I A, um, and this is a tech startup that's uh, in the augmented reality uh, space. Uh, they're based in uh, Victoria, in Australia. Um, and uh, they're focused on, on sort of layering augmented reality on packaging. And so they've been at this for a little while. They, um, they had a product called Swigger, uh, which they'd focused on the uh, beverage alcohol industry. And now they've got a new uh, product called Display. I don't know how they come up with these names, but Dis Display is D-I-S-P-L-A-I. And um, yeah, so it, it's basically, you know, think you walk into a grocery store and there's a package of cereal or a package of, you know, detergent or whatever it is. Um, and then you hold your phone up over this and there's an augmented reality layer, not on like a Facebook or Snapchat filter um, that then overlays, um, you know, information. It could be an animation. It could be a hologram. It could be, you know, a link to click on to learn more about it or you know, find out about the, uh, you know, the history or the ingredients in that product or, you know, whatever the case might be. Again, not super innovative uh, on the technology here. We've had this type of technology around for a while. You know, when I first read the story, you know, my mind, you know, and even when you and I were doing this podcast years ago, Rob, like, remember covering a company called Blipper out of the UK um, that yep. was doing similar types of things on packaging. They were focused more on, um, you know, sort of uh, consumer um, goods like Oreos and Cadbury's and, and things like that at the time. Um, but, you know, very, very similar there. Um, you know, the idea here is to animate the packaging and, and create a virtual experience. I think the one thing I like about this is that I think the timing is is good and relevant now, right? We're, you know, in a, in, in a, in a time uh, where everybody's talking about metaverse, everybody's talking about you know, augmented reality and, and, you know, layers on top of the physical world and, and all of this. So I think the, you know, unlike companies like Blipper that, you know, have been around for, you know, 10 years plus, um, you know, I think this is very relevant in this time. Um, again, I don't, I'm not super excited about the technology, you know, that, that they're doing here, but I think it's, it's timely. And I think brands are, are jumping on this type of stuff. And, you know, I think there could be a, a good opportunity for it, and and it's it's it seems very easy uh, in terms of how they built it in terms of setup, um, you know, create multiple you know uh, animations or, or or bits of content tied to multiple, you know, products or SKUs, um, you know, just a matter of you know hours, um, and uh, you know they've even got it I think built in a way that you know they can tie into existing 
kind of skew information, you know, if, if that's already available through a grocery chain or, or whatever that's signing on board. Um, so there's a lot of applications for this type of stuff, but um, yeah, that's that's kind of my initial thoughts on it. You? Do you think, yeah, I, I mean, uh, we talked about Blipper and, and Swigger, that's an interesting name as well. Like uh, uh, everything ends with her Swigger, Tinder, Blipper, but um, <laughs> What I what I want to know is, you remember back when uh, people would just repurpose old ads? So you'd have an ad on television, and you say, "Oh no, no, now it's the web." And and so you'd put like a forty five second ad on the web as a as a pre roll, and everybody was up in arms. You can't just you have to create the content for the medium. So six yeah. second ads became relevant. Uh, you know, you see those on on uh, on YouTube. And now I wonder about this as well. Is that uh, you know the examples that they had on their website were just straight up repurposing of existing content ads that they've got and and that's not going to work like i'm not going to put a have a vr experience or an augmented reality experience with a package that it's just i'm just going to get an ad for that for that product and i'm wondering does this like is the thing that's missing here for adoption the people that are creating the content that is relevant to that medium like and what would that content be that is relevant to that medium when we started doing this long time ago we talked a lot about that that, uh, you know, farm to fork kind of concept where you could look at, uh, um, you know, if it was a, a package of uh, coffee and coffee beans, you could look at, at a fair trade coffee, you could understand the story of the farm that it was farmed on and the, and the people that, and, and so you, you kind of, at least I thought at the time that that's, that's that you're creating a brand story around that, that packaging and, and that brand of coffee beans. And uh, and it didn't go anywhere. I mean, there's QR codes on everything right now, but how many people scan those? And uh, and so I wonder if we're in that same instance here. Is that this is a really cool technology? What what is the purpose of it? Uh, you know, the last thing you want is to be in a grocery store behind that asshole in a cart that is scanning every product and just spending thirty seconds in front of them <laughs> with the augmented reality. Like, wouldn't you just? Uh, I think that would be violence. So, what is the purpose of doing that? Not just because you can. But what is what's the reason to do it? And and I always struggle with that. I think it's cool, but why? Yeah, and, and I agree with what you just said. And, and like two things, you know, to respond to that. So first off, even going back to you know the early conversations we had about platforms like Blipper and others back in the day, um, you know, the the stumbling block I think for a lot of those was the cost of creating that unique purpose built content exactly. uh, for the platform. Right. And I think that's still an issue. Right. Uh, you know, that you're highlighting here. And I, and I think the 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 other thing is, is it is about, you know, telling a story. Right. And, you know, the example that popped into my mind while you were speaking is one of the best you know uses of this type of technology I've seen is uh, Jose Cuervo. And they, they did a, uh, a campaign where they ha had a, um, a bottle uh, of Jose Cuervo and you could scan this thing and it basically like told this whole story of like the journey from the agave plant you know and you know the pirate ship and this that and it was like a, it was a whole visual storytelling experience right uh but creating that content isn't cheap right no. and it's not easy to sit there and go okay well you know i have a hundred SKUs in my uh in my grocery store and i'm going to create some kind of content like that at that level for every one of these things right Nobody's going to do that. Nobody can afford to do that. Um, so I think it's still a limiting factor, but I like the technology. I think it has a lot of value. I think there are a lot of use cases for it, uh, especially when you're getting into things like, you know, luxury goods or, you know, cars or, you know, those kinds of things. 
um, I think there's there's a ton of opportunity. So, um, anyways, yeah, if if you're in Australia or anywhere, check out uh, Immersia and their new product. Their new product yeah, they, with an AI. Good words. And yeah, yes, I, uh, um, I I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that. It, it, it's something like, and I think a lot of this technology pushes it. Like if you question the technology, it's good because it's the same thing that I mean, um, that Meta did when they announced their name change and moving into the metaverse, and 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 I think we're a year later and people are scratching their heads still. But but it's a conviction that something of, that is being built now will be a leader in this space at some point, and and it it has everything to do, man, with timing. Timing, timing, timing. Blipper was too early. Like with the, you know, the, the capabilities of these phones were, were like, we didn't have high speed networks back then when they started. We didn't have the, the ability, like you couldn't scan even QR codes right from the phone. Like you needed an app, remember? So I think that like yeah. they pushed the technology and, and, and you, you have to make sure that you're pushing in the right time so that you're pushing not against momentum, but you're pushing with momentum and, and all these innovations that are coming as a result of, I think probably Facebook making this announcement about the metaverse, maybe you're still scratching your head about what that really means, but it's kind of opened up these opportunities for these companies now because you've got one of the most influential companies on the planet pushing these things. And, and so people are paying attention and that helps a lot. A thousand percent. Um, so with that, uh, that's our four stories for this week. And I do want to highlight that uh, our Retail Loco uh, conference is back in person for the first time since COVID. Uh, so October 26th and 27th, we will be in Atlanta, um, you know, for uh, for that conference. And we'll be talking about, you know, the metaverse and, uh, you know, last mile deliveries and all kinds of things yes. like that. Um, a lot of great speakers. Uh, we just secured Wesley Rhodes. He's the uh, uh, head of, um, our VP of Tech and Innovation for Kroger. Uh, who will be uh, one of our keynote speakers. We've got great sponsors like Radar uh, and Glimpse and companies like that coming down. Uh, so uh, get involved, get your ticket. Um, and you can go to just retail.lo, retail.lo.co um, to do that. And um, you'll see uh, see us down there. And uh, Rob will probably be there too. So yeah. Oh my gosh, cannot Rob. wait. Um, yep. Yeah, looking forward to that. Um, so that's it for this week. Uh, thank you for listening and watching, everybody. Uh, we appreciate it. If you have story ideas, uh, reach out to us. If you have feedback, uh, we want that. If you have criticism, you can leave it on the uh, the social channels. We might look at it. Um, but um, leave it in your yeah, pocket. Give us some likes. Give us some love on whatever you know platform you're consuming this on. And we'll see you next week with another show. Uh, Brianna will be back. Maybe Rob will join us too. You never know. Um, and uh, we'll have you know all three of us on the show. That could be good. Um, but uh, thank you, everybody. It's been episode number 583, and we'll see you soon. Take care. Bye. Mm -hmm.